Welcome back, lads and ladettes, to episode 69. Ha ha ha, 69. <laughs> Good, we nice. A, we, yeah, nice. We took a week hiatus. Dude, school's been so hectic. Like, so just to kind of put things into perspective, finished up reading week. Uh, we released the episode on Monday. Or no, sorry. We released the episode on Monday the 15th. Yeah. And then post-reading week, I had a 30% response due. Um, I had to do a 12-page report followed by like a 15 minute uh, for the same assignment mind you so the the 30 assignment is a separate thing then yeah. in one assignment for marketing i had to do a 12 page report uh as well as a 20 minute 15 to 20 minute presentation like that came along with it so I did the slide deck okay. all nine yards. then i had to well i still have to uh i act as the board of directors for another group and like review their whole 12 page report and ask them questions following their presentation and get that all prepped and then basically the same exact thing all of that again but next week for a different a different course so and it's like getting the groups together like trying to figure out when we're all available meeting for like i i swear i had a five and a half hour long zoom call just in a like no breaks just grinding through this report um it's been hectic, man. And then a mid, and then I'm not even counting midterms on top of that that I had to like sprinkle and studying in between. And yeah, then this thing called Ice Week, which is like a full long like like you have to start a new venture from scratch or like do some like case thing. But you can do all like, the marketing, finance breakdowns, and like their human resources department like organize their their like organizational behavior. So it's just it's a hectic time of year. Yeah, it's a lot going on. Jeez. It's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. But the silver lining is that I applied for exchange Philly and I got my celebratory beverage. I'm going to Spain in the fall. Congrats, brother. That's huge. Yeah, man. That's exciting, man. Dude, I'm so I'm so fired up to go to Spain. I think it uh I don't know. I've heard great things about the place. Yeah. Um and the the beauty of it is it's no grades. It's pass fail. Oh, really? Yes. So That's like, unreal. So you kind of just cruise I around over there. Cruise around on the weekends. Not really like, like I can just travel, go wherever. Yeah. As long as you get your work sales, done. Get my work done. And I, obviously I'm not uh, a complete meathead. I I'm, I'm, have some yeah. sort of academic ability. Pretty intelligent I'm, guy. Yeah. I'm able to kind of get my work done at a passing grade at least. Yeah. Oh, so, hey. Congratulations, man. That's exciting. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay, I want to ask you though, with uh, the assignments, like how different is it adapting to having to do the assignments, like with everything being online? Because when, like, I, I only had like a couple online courses throughout my entire like process of being at school, and like having one online course is like honestly, it's kind of it kind of sucks because you almost just like forget about it. Because like you never have to go there and like be in person to do this, so it's like almost like on the back burner. And like the in class uh, or in person classes are kind of front of your mind. And like you go, you hear about the assignments, you hear about the exams, and it's like easier to stay on top of those things. But like, do you find it's like every class kind of goes to the back burner, or do you find that you're like really, really, really focusing on every single thing because they're all online now? I wish it, I, I I wish I could sit here and tell you that it was like I was fo- super focused on everything, but right. 
it's honestly no different than having like one online course that you forget about, except you right. have five of them that you forget. <laughs> right, which is significantly worse. Yeah, so like you don't. And the, the hard thing about online is like one, it's it's tougher to hold group members accountable. Like they can just yeah. kind of hide it behind the screen or whatever, and like just not kind of I don't know, do minimal effort, and there's no repercussions. But the main thing I find is that it's so hard to like, like you said, you go to class, you wake up in the morning, get ready, and you're like okay, like you have direction for the day. You're like, I'm, this right. is why I'm going to class. This is why I'm going to campus. I'm going to find out what I need to do and get it done. Whereas online, you wake up in your bed and like you just kind of give your laptop the side, side eye from across the room. And you're like, well, I, I could go. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I stay in bed. And then you like get up and you're like kind of like all over the map. Like you just scavenge like the dark web for all your due dates and right. like assignments and stuff. So it's so tough, not only to like find out what you need to be like do. Well, yeah, I guess the hardest thing is keeping track of everything and, and just like finding out what assignments, where, I guess, when it's due, like what do you have to do for it? And there's certain things on some sites and other courses that operate mainly on other sites. So you kind of just like scavenge around and I feel like a lot of things can get left by the wayside if you're not uh, too careful. Right. It's, it's dangerous. It's definitely dangerous. And, and you're saying like, it's harder to keep group members accountable. So I want to like this one group project that I did, because I kind of feel like it's probably somewhat similar to what you're doing right now, but it's uh, in like, if you're in business at Western and you take the business courses throughout, there's this business class in second year, it's called biz two, two, five, seven. And there's this massive project. It's the feasibility project. And everyone gets put into groups. And so basically for context, in first year of this class, you you take every, you learn every part of the business. So you do like accounting, finance, um, marketing, HR, like all of that, all the way through. And then the second year you do that as well, but you just take the next step and like the next progression in each of those uh, like disciplines, obviously. But uh, this feasibility project basically is that you get in a group, you have to come up with a business. You have to literally do all the finances, the projections, the current like status, your marketing plan, how much your marketing is going to cost, like everything in your projections. Cash, burn, cash build, break even. Like. Yeah. And then you have to determine whether or not this business is feasible or not. And like the, the point of the project isn't to make a business that is feasible. It's to create a business, develop the entire plan and then determine at the end whether or not you'd go forward with this or not because like not everyone just makes a business and it works like you have to go through the the projections and figure out like is this going to be feasible no it's not okay like this isn't right so it was like the whole point was just to make sure you do everything right you go through do do, do your due diligence search everything up but um everyone in the group i think so listen to this so Every group is supposed to have six people and like each person has their own department, but you work together to make sure like it, everything's communicated. So basically I'm in a group with, uh, actually it's kind of funny. I, I end up in a group with a guy from Aurora who I played minor hockey with when I was like seven years old. I literally showed up to the class. I'm in the class the first day. I like look across the classroom. This guy's just sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck? like what's up, bro? <laughs> I haven't seen you in. 14 years um but then so i end up in a group with him and end up with like a whole bunch of mutuals that kind of end up in our group but then we end up with where we need two spots left and these two girls kind of end up joining our group well we come up with all these ideas like the, the four of us come up with uh all these different ideas of like how do, we're going to do this project right and all the different 
business ideas that we can do. And this one girl literally is like every idea. She's like, nope, this isn't going to work. Nope, this isn't going to work. And like everyone has to agree on the idea because there is a deadline of like when you pitch the business first without even doing the research, like you have to agree on a business, then the prof approves the business, then you can go forward with it, right? So we're approaching this deadline. This is, and it's a full year project, basically. I think it's due like just before close to final exams or close to the final second and last midterm, whatever. So this is like October reading week. We're coming up to this deadline of when you have to pitch the business to the prof. And we're like, we're coming up with all these ideas. And this girl keeps saying, no, 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 don't like this. Don't like that. It's not going to work. And if not, everyone's on board. You can't go ahead with it. So over the reading week, we're pitching ideas nonstop. And this girl keeps coming up with this idea of a disposable or not disposable, sorry, a reusable diaper. Ew. Right. And that's what we said. That's no, but it's actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Sustainability is pretty like huge and bit but what do you do throw it in the wash right all over your clean clothes (laughs) okay so these are the questions we asked and we were like trying to determine and it was like it would have been an okay idea if she had answers to it you know what i mean like if there was like some kind of like response to it like part of our we were the ones having to come up with the ideas and she was saying no to our ideas like so we were saying like okay here's the service is like you use the diaper and then you have to like dispose of the feces like you would like a dog feces right and this is kind of like where we're going along the lines and then you put the diapers in a bag like let's say you have a pack of 20 or 30 of them put the diapers in a bag and someone comes and collects them like weekly and then she's like no that won't work and we're like okay well fuck like what's your idea man this you brought this here yeah so anyways this is she's dead set on this idea won't change her plan Next thing you know, last day of reading week, the end of the, so reading week happens. Then the end of the following week is when the uh, pitch is due. Last day of reading week, she tells us she dropped the class and she's just out. So we haven't been able to come up with any idea for like two plus months at this point, because this girl keeps shutting everything down. And right before it's due, pulls the shoot she's out she drops the class and we're like yo oh you God. couldn't have given us some- <laughs> yeah you couldn't have given us some heads up so anyways that's the first challenge now we're down a person because no one else can join our group everyone else has groups like that's it so now we have five people that need to take on the tasks of of six so this is the first like our second problem now we have and then this, the other girl that was her friend becomes extremely unmotivated because her friend dropped the class. This girl, in the group. <laughs> this girl skipped meetings, um, skipped deadlines. <laughs> she wouldn't, dude, she, so it's a 60 page report. Okay. She yeah. submitted three and a half pages that were 110% plagiarized. <laughs> we read it. I oh, read it awesome. and I was like, like, what did you like submit it to like turn it in and it got a hundred percent, 110%? No, no. Okay. So what happened was me and like the other guys, we had a meeting so that we could all read it together and like make sure everything was good. And we're sitting there in this meeting and she just doesn't show up and we're reading it and reading it. And we're like, this doesn't seem like you. her writing. Like this yeah. isn't like the writing of someone who's just like <laughs> in this class right now. Morning and you use the wrong like there. 
So basically we just start typing in sentences and it like, wasn't like she took like all of it from one page and just dropped it in. And so our business ended up being boat detailing, high-end boat detailing in Muskoka. And it was, it really, it worked out. It would have worked like really well if you like applied it to real life. Yeah. Yeah. And the service was basically, we would like come up to your place. You're either not there or you're like inside or whatever you schedule it or you pull up to a marina you pull up to the like like the key to uh bala there and stuff and we detail your boat while you're inside at the restaurant whatever it would have worked but (laughs) she just like copy and pasted things from different websites and put them in and we were like we our whole group could have got sewered (laughs) if we just didn't read this and like, it was just so hard to keep this girl accountable. And part of the problem was that she would say she had class and just like not come to meetings. And it was like, holy shit, like how much class do you have? <laughs> like, fuck. like well, I was in a similar, similar experience like the, as you, like I had a pre- presentation, not 60 pages. Like it was a year long report, like probably lesser, like intensity. Okay. Yours. It was uh, like the whole, in first year Laurie is the new venture assignment. But again, we had to come up with a business idea, run it all the way through and then like pitch it for your class and you get selected and you like move on to like pitching it in front of executives of whatever okay. the, some like judges yeah. anyway so my group was like all stars everybody had a role no passengers everybody knew what they were doing like it was all great like we had my friend emma who was kind of just like the chief like she kind of like was directing and like yeah. she was a good writer putting everything together justin finance guy ashwin like the tech guy like making great slide decks and like logos and everything. And I was just like the personality the face of the business. Like, presenting, <laughs> yeah. like, like loud. And I'm a good writer too. I'd write my report and stuff and like good quality. Yeah. Uh, sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. I think that's like it. And then we had this one girl and I knew it was going to go bad when she came to the first meeting and she's like, so like I am the uh, like the munch- munchy plug of my floor fam, and I'm like, wait, what? Like what? G- like congrats, like right on, good for you. So she's like, yeah, like I always provide the munchies. I'm like, like okay, like can we talk about our, our, what we're gonna do now for an assignment? Like that's great, but like whatever. So hey, wait, 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 can you define the, the munchies? Can you just yeah, say like I guess like for people who like smoke weed on her floor and they get hungry, she just gives them snacks. I guess that I think that's what she was trying to like get across. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, is that really something you brag about? Or are people just like, yeah. you, you just have food? a stash of snacks in your yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, in her room. Uh yeah. So anyways, like fast forward, she's always she was such a weak group member that we would always make her do like not even our introduction, because I would always introduce and like come up with some creative introduction. And then I'd like, okay, now here's to like break it down with the agenda. And okay. she'd, she'd just be like, today we're talking about this, followed by this, and then we'll wrap up with this and any questions. And that was her whole part of the presentation. Like she'd just break down what we were going to be. And then everyone else would go off right. with their parts. But she was just like, all right, just, just say what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Don't talk was, about anything. Just say what we're going to talk yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> And she would still find ways to like screw that up. It'd be like, today we are discussing about like, it would just be like brutal grammatical errors and just, it was just awful. So fast forward, I guess she, maybe she joins like the Munchie gang on our floor. Who knows what goes on, but uh, she ends up like being late to meetings, missing deadlines, like, like you're the girl in your group. And so there's this whole segment, like this whole segment of the assignment where we have to like do a peer review. So every, every week or at every submission, 
you also have to include a peer like review and you'd rate your teammates based on the rubric out of four and mm-hmm. then explain why or why not they got that great and everyone's like hey you know what like we're doing a good job with the team let's not sue anybody it was just yeah. hand out fours all around and make sure we all get good marks and yeah that's about it. uh and then we would even do that with her we'd even do that with her and then there was a <laughs> then there was a uh like a, a moment where like you know we can't keep doing this we can't so we started yeah. suing this girl on her peer evals because she's missing like the final presentation date, like right before finals was around the corner on, on the, our like rehearsal the day before our final presentation, she yeah. missed it completely. And on the day of the actual final presentation, she showed up like we did our whole, we showed up like a 30 minutes early to class as we like discussed in the group shot and, and like to get more, like just one more run through. Yeah. She missed that completely and showed up before like, like two minutes into our actual like class so okay. she showed up like super late, just kind of like, hey, I'm here. We're like, what the hell? So of course we sewer her again on the peer evals. But this time she goes rogue and sewers us right back. And she like is <laughs> us under the belt, uh, under the bus. And she goes, Oh, like and she calls me, she knows I go by Ryan. She knows I don't go by William. But on this peer eval, she'd be like, William was extremely rude and disruptive, was late to meetings, like but she'd say that to about everybody. And we're like, wow. Yeah, so she absolutely sewered everybody. And we go to the prof. We're like, okay, like, I hope you know this is absolute bullshit. She's like, yeah, like, I can tell by, like, the, it's like all of you guys are seeing the same things. And she's just like, out of the woodwork. <laughs> so it was just such a, and we tried to, like, actually get her fired from our group. Like, we actually right. tried to fire this girl, but I think she dropped the, dropped the course or, or dropped <laughs> oh, the program. I don't know, but. Oh, man. Hectic, hectic time. I remember reading that and being like, what the hell is going on here? It's kind of funny, like kind of entertaining. Okay, yo, I have one last thing about the presentation. I just remembered, like when you started bringing it up, is that we, um, so this, the guy who ended up like pitching the idea of doing the detailing service, he actually has run this in Muskoka. Hmm. And so he had like matching golf shirts. So we all wore them and she refused to wear it. Oh, we on. all wore dress pants, dress shoes, and the matching golf shirt. And she just wouldn't wear wear the dress shirt. They're the golf shirt. What? I don't know, man. She literally what? was like wearing like dress pants or whatever, but just wore like, I, I don't know. I think it's a blouse. I think that's what it's called. But she just wore that. And like, we were all wearing like this navy blue. No, it was white. I think it was white uh it's golf shirt. look like it's- yeah and she was wearing and we're like we literally showed up and we're like oh do you have your thing she's like no like i'm not gonna wear it we're like why be a team <laughs> yo <laughs> you want to start a business right now philly i have an idea that i think could catch on okay let's hear it uber but for boats at the cottage yo <laughs> uh Am I? I think I might be having deja vu right now. <laughs> have you brought this up to me before? I may, I may have, but we need to start this. I don't know who to talk to. I think one of my friends is in is in CompSci. Let's actually make an app. Let's get some people registered for this. I honestly think it's a pretty lucrative the business. Like, think about how many people, more people booze at the cottage than anywhere else on earth. I think. Yeah. And you don't want people like driving their boats exactly. in the dark, like yeah, in one, right? So yeah. you got people who know the lake. Yeah. The cottage on the lake. Trying to make some that. money. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I support it. <laughs> I support it. the idea. We'll call it floater. Oh. <laughs> 
floater. I, I like it. I like it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, also, Dude, uh, like no three weeks from now, we're just gonna see like the launch of some company called the Floater. In the thirty for thirty, we'll, like we'll, we'll be like episode thirty nine guest Aaron uh, Aaron Spivak being on the, the Forbes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. List. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've gone far enough into the episode without getting into our episode sixty nine introduction and our player battles. Um, this one I think is two very obvious candidates. Well, the first one is very, very obvious. Like I think this guy kind of popularized the number in a, in a big way. Um, but that's, we've done this challenge before. We kind of talked about it beforehand, but like once we explain the two guys and who they are, I think that you'll understand why we went back to this challenge, but basically we're going to do a beer chugging challenge. So I think like, we'll just set some time limits and then, Let's say like you have five minutes to drink the most amount of beers possible. You think like that's like a good set of rules for this competition? Okay. So uh, without further ado, let's get into our competitors. Our first competitor started his career as, as an innocent bouncer at a bar in Massachusetts. He gets noticed for the first time after attending a minor league hockey game and beating the absolute piss out of a player for using a slur. He quickly lands a role as the tough guy for the Halifax Highlanders, and his one job is to stick up for Xavier Laflamme, becoming an intimidating presence in the league and popularizing the number 69 for today's youth. I'll leave it there in order to not spoil the rest of the movie. A six foot two, 220 pound <laughs> enforcer from the movie Goon, Doug the Thug Glatt. <laughs> All right, and his competitor, an actual athlete, a fourth-round selection, 109th overall in the 2013 NFL Draft to the Green Bay Packers. He just completed his eighth NFL season, all with Green Bay. He was ranked in the NFL Top 100 current players for the last three consecutive years, a three-time pro bowler and two-time first-team all-pro player. He's well-known for his ability to chug beers and an awfully rich man who just signed a four-year, $92 million contract extension in November. A six foot four, 310 pound offensive tackle from Berlin Game, California, David Bakhtiari. So, what I was talking about with like, uh, he's known for his ability to chug beer, and I'll try to include this video in YouTube if you're watching on YouTube, which if you're on podcast and you kind of want to watch something on YouTube instead, go over and check that out. You can see short clips, full episodes, different segments, whatever you want up on there. But, um, so this guy, basically, the first time I was ever introduced to him was he was at a Bucks game, Milwaukee Bucks NBA game. He's sitting beside Aaron Rodgers or like somewhere near Aaron Rodgers, and basically the camera pans to Bakhtiari and Rodgers kind of at the same time. They both have beers in their hands, and Bakhtiari just tips this beer back and pounds this thing in like seconds. And it's just gone, like just disappears. Like he literally is one of those things where you open your throat and it slips down, gone. So that's kind of what I'm talking about there. Um, and I've, I've seen him on numerous occasions. I'm pretty sure he did at Brewers games. He's done it at more box games of just pounding these beers. So that's kind of the ability to chug beers of David Bakhtiari. But McGee, David Bakhtiari against our boy, Doug the Thug Glad, who wins in uh, five minutes to drink the most beers? I'm going to say Bakhtiari wins, man. I just think it's hard to compete with the 310 pound frame. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's, I love Doug. I think he could put him back. And, like, even when he's in pain, I feel like he'd still keep going. Yeah. 
but I it's man, he just doesn't have that frame that that Bakhtiari does. Yeah, six four three ten is pretty impressive. Because Doug Glass probably like six four. 6-2-2-20, I found him listed as. Okay, six. You know two, Doug <laughs> Doug Glatt is a real guy. <laughs> Wait, no, the he's guy, not. Yeah, the real guy's name isn't Doug Glatt. It's Doug Smith, but it's like a real guy. I don't know if the teams that he played for were like accurate and right, but the movie is apparently based off of like a biography. Because <laughs> I found this out when I was doing the research. But uh, yeah, so Doug Glatt is Doug Smith. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think like, I can't, I, you know what? I got to go with Bakhtiari because here's the thing too. I'm thinking about is like, I have that video in my head just stuck of him slamming the beer. And I think that part of it is the frame he has. And part of it is the quickness of which he can drink the beer. So if he can put back beers that quickly, regardless of if Doug, the thug can hang on in terms of um like ability to handle the beer and handle how much is going inside of it like how much he's consuming i think that bacteria is just going to beat him just because of the speed alone like he's able to chug those beers so quickly that i don't think doug can keep up with that alone like he might be able to keep up with him in terms of the endurance but the the speed of the beer i think it's out the window like he just can't do it so I think yeah. David Bakhtiari is our is our winner of episode sixty nine. I agree. I think that it's it's it would be no con. Uh, maybe a little battle, but I think he's gonna win the season. Or uh, Bakhtiari is gonna take the season. So yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, unanimous. Yeah. Before we get into anything, I'm on the Wikipedia page of Doug Smith. Yeah. And oh my god. Yeah. So Yo, I went so I found this guy on Hockey DB and the photo of him on Hockey DB. Pretty sure he's wearing one of those like old vintage CCM helmets and he's got like a black eye and a missing tooth or something in the photo. Like that's his Hockey DB image. <laughs> it's hilarious. Dude, he I couldn't first, believe he was a real person. Oh my god, he first laced up skates for the first time at age 19. Played in amateur leagues at 21 and made his first minor league hockey team at 24 when he won a championship with the Carolina Thunderbirds of the ECHL. Like, that's not an easy, like, I guess no. back back in, like, the 80s, the EC was probably just a gong show, but still. Still. Playing minor yeah. league hockey, like, five years after you <laughs> have skates for the first, put, you know, put on skates for the first time, pretty crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, seriously. I couldn't believe that it was a real person, honestly, when I like searched it up because I was trying to find like stats. Like I was thinking somewhere Doug Doug Glatt has to be listed as height and weight of some sort. And Doug Smith kept coming up and like, what the fuck? Like who I'm not searching Doug Smith. I'm looking for Doug Glatt. And then I realized like Doug Smith is Doug Glatt. <laughs> I'm like, no way. So yeah, Dude, pretty I, pretty insane. Yeah, that is insane. Oh my god. Six two two twenty. Oh my god. I can't believe that. Yeah, impressive. Okay, yo, I want to talk about um, over the past two weeks, there's been some anniversaries, some big anniversaries. So the first one I just want to touch on briefly, um, well, actually, it's kind of consecutively. So a couple weeks ago, even before we filmed the last episode, uh, was the um, anniversary of Miracle on Ice. So then after Miracle on Ice, was the anniversary it's like the 41 year anniversary or 44 year something along those lines of the release of the movie Slapshot. 
So I put up on our Instagram page and said, uh, put up a poll and I asked who or which movie is the best hockey movie Slapshot or um, Miracle on Ice. So McGee, if you had to pick one, which would you pick? Or I said, is Slapshot the greatest hockey movie ever? Yes or no. And so the poll results are 74% yes. It's the greatest yeah, hockey movie I, ever. I had a great, oh man, there are good, like, there are some good hockey movies. Miracle's great. I think like it'd be sweeter if it was a movie about Canadians, but it's still a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I got a, we got a response from Dean Rayner and uh, he was not impressed with the results of the poll. He basically just said, wow, 80%. Because at the time, it was 80% yes. He said 80%. That's fucked up. So uh, I messaged him personally, and I was like, yo, what's the greatest hockey movie in your opinion? Because it's not like it's just Slapshot, Miracle on Ice. Like, there's Youngblood, um, uh, The Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's so many. So I was like, what's yours? And all he responds is... It's just these lines. Ready? Yep. Great moments are born from great opportunity. (laughs) That's all he says. (laughs) And I agree. I think Miracle on Ice is the best hockey movie in terms of drama, the hockey itself, there's comedic aspects, the storytelling, the cinematography, just the emotion wrapped into it. Miracle on Ice is the greatest hockey movie of all time. And I don't think it can ever be topped. I think it's so good. It pulls you just right in. It doesn't matter if you're Canadian, American, like it doesn't matter. It is no, just, it sucks you in. It you You're cheering for the Americans. You want them to win this, like in this uh, instance. And it's just such a, great tale of the underdogs winning Slapshot is hilarious i could watch Slapshot a zillion times i probably have i've watched miracle a zillion more times than that but miracle on ice just pulls you right in i think it's the be- i think it's the best one yeah if we're looking for just, yeah i would i would like it's hard to argue man like it's really hard yeah. to argue like Slapshot's a classic but I guess some of the jokes are a little like dated and that's <laughs> yeah. it, it hasn't really been up to date. Like, I don't know. Miracles, miracles, miracle. Yeah. And like there's like, obviously like, lines in Slapshot that are just like infamous. Like we talked about the one on the, on the blue line when the ref goes up to them and he's like trying to talk to them during the uh, national anthem. And he's like, I'm listening to the fucking song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is so good. Then there's like, uh, they're putting the foil on and <laughs> in the, in the room. <laughs> What are you guys doing? Putting on the foil every game. Yeah, you want some? No. Or when he goes to meet them for the first time, they're like punching the machine. They stole our fucking quarter. And then he walks away and he's like, they brought their fucking toys with them. (laughs) 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 They're playing the cars. Yeah, that's just, it's just so funny. And then like, even just the opening interview where he's like, um, hooking, slashing, uh, you go to box, you feel shame, <laughs> like all that. It's so funny, but miracle is just from t- like start to finish. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's entertaining. And it's just like such a good story and it's based on real events. So I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, one um, more line from Slapshot that I absolutely love is when they're like, uh, 
uh, Reg Dunlop, the player coach, comes in the room and he's like, boys, like old time hockey tonight, Eddie Shore. And the Hanson brothers, they caught the foil in their glasses and they're like, yeah, old time hockey, Eddie Shore. <laughs> that Man. kills me. <laughs> or is, treat me right fucking now. <laughs> oh man it's so good but yeah Sasha was a classic miracle is yeah. a classic dude those are two tough movies to beat young blood i feel like yeah. doesn't get enough credit like yeah, that's a good movie kind of goes by the wayside yeah it yeah. kind of goes by the wayside but we were talking about anniversaries we got some anniversaries but one anniversary that we we didn't really touch on yet but we need to is the anniversary i believe it's nine years of pete weber's infamous <laughs> celebration yeah i'm gonna try and find how long it's been right now because that one i posted the video or we posted that video up of you yeah but of you doing the the, the, the doing Weber, impersonation let's see if i can should i bring it back yeah see if you can do it see if you can pull that one out of the archives well, like, can, you, can you google the script and tell me what to say because like i, I want to get it like dead <laughs> on and stuff. uh yeah here <laughs> do you want me to just play it of Please you saying it. it yeah yeah okay here we go strike to claim it a strike to claim it and he got it that is right i did it at number five are you kidding me that's right who do you think you are i am so he says yes yes i did it that is why i did it uh can, something like can you believe it number five <laughs> And then the line, who do you think you are? That <laughs> I am. Okay. Okay. So if you're not on YouTube, go to YouTube right now. Skip to this part of the podcast and look at McKee with his Pete Weber sunglasses as he's about to do this impersonation. McKee, here you go. Oh, he's the lips. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I got, what did he say? How does it start again? <laughs> Yes, God damn it. Okay, wait, hold on. I did it. I did it. That Harry. is why I did it. I'm jumping out, Harry. Okay. Yes, yes, God damn it. I did it. Number five. That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. Yes, yes. <laughs> One of the greatest lines in all of sports in history. Sporting history. <laughs> in sporting like, history. Pete Weber one of the greatest lines ever it's it's better because he definitely did not mean to say that <laughs> you no, know what i mean no. there's no way <laughs> his brain is like going a million miles a minute didn't even know what to do like yeah because he needed a strike to win it and he gets the strike and then just switch flipped off the rails he goes yes yes i did it that is why i did it <laughs> who do you think you are i god damn it yes so anniversary of that one too incredible moment um it's 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 such a great sporting moment there's so <laughs> many good commentator moments we could probably do a whole segment on like commentator moments obviously that's a player but like there's just some good ones of like uh, have you ever seen the clip of after Mike Medano gets elbowed to the head by Mark Messier and they're bringing him out on a stretcher at Madison Square Garden and they drop the stretcher? Yes. Oh yeah. So God. the commentator in that one has an incredible one. Um, there's one where Denis Shapovalov a couple years ago hit the, uh, I think they're called the umpire or judge or whatever you want to call them, 
hit that guy in the head with the ball <laughs> and the commentator has uh, a line i think he says like oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so good there's so many good lines um but we could probably could do a whole segment on that um but one thing i kind of wanted to bring up here i know we've talked about some of the greatest coaching moments but this one i just want to bring up because um I don't want to forget it. And I want to make sure that I get to share this with you and hear your reaction to this, because this is a team that you could have played on (laughs) in first year of midget hockey. So let me break down the story. Our coach or our team, sorry, is not very good. We're kind of just a bunch of misfits. Don't, we're not playing that well to start the year. And we have just an unorthodox group of coaches train like trainer everything so our coach kind of likes to go about things in a different way and he the way he thinks things are right like this guy's written his own book but he's never really necessarily like done anything in his hockey career but there's one thing that this guy did and I remembered it the other day and I honestly like was thinking about it and was almost in tears laughing so hard about the fact that because you have to think about the context. These are 15 through 17 year old high school boys on this team. So this guy gets us to do this thing and the concept is there. Sure. Contextually, probably not the best thing to do. Midget hockey, we have our own room with the waxers and it's in the back of Markham Village Arena. And in there we have obviously washroom, shower and equipment room or like whatever. It has all this extra stuff in there. Up on the wall in the equipment room, he pins an envelope for every single player on the team. And every single player, it has a photo of a bus on the front of the envelope. Okay. If you have any questions, feel free to just hop in and ask. So... Uh, has a picture of a bus and the player's name and the waxer's logo kind of sits us down and he leaves this book out with pieces of small pieces of paper on it and a piece of uh, a pen beside the pieces of paper for us to write on and explains to us that the the idea is that everyone needs to have some kind of fuel inside them and something to drive them and in order to have that you you were like a bus you need to have your bus fueled. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea is that you take, if you, if you like something someone on the team has done, or you feel good about something someone else on the team has done, you write on this piece of paper and put it in their envelope <laughs> to fuel their bus. <laughs> so this is 15 to 17 year old <laughs> boys right like how many little dicks were drawn okay honestly honestly not that but the comments and like obviously i'm not gonna say anybody who like did anything but you have to like think about these comments so we have guys on the team writing stuff like i saw so-and-so in the shower today after practice he looks really good and it's obviously a joke but to us this shit is hilarious and like it's things like that it's like it's like um person a's hair looked absolutely incredible today put it in their box <laughs> and honestly like in the moment this shit was funny 
but now looking back on it, it's even funnier. Than you know what I, think? I think that like it worked, but not for the reasons he intended. Like right, right. You guys closer together, like just like kind of a, a funny one hundred percent. Yeah, because we bonded like over that about how hilarious the comments in the bus <laughs> in our buses were. <laughs> it was like, yo, my these guys in the team cool. are fueling my bus. <laughs> My bus has literally 95 premium gas in it right now. <laughs> My engine is running primo. But oh. just shit like that. And I just thought about like how funny that was. Because imagine telling like 15 to 17 year old boys like to do this stuff. What else are you expecting? Like seriously. Like if I was to tell them to do that, that's the first thing I'm thinking is going to happen. They're just writing the dumbest comments ever. But the thing is, is like, even if you gave that to like a pro hockey team, like an NHL team, they'd yeah. do the same shit. Like, probably. They- yeah. Because they're children at heart, too. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if it's like if that would ever work anywhere. Yeah. Maybe on like a, like a, a, oh, fuck, I don't even know. No, like, seriously, when would anyway. that work? I don't think it would. Maybe so, like a professional business environment, but like, other than that. Yeah, maybe maybe because they'd actually have to be professional (laughs) but yeah okay so listen so these are a couple of the other things that we did and these are like not as funny but just still like they go along the lines of some of the shit that happened that year so basically he broke he breaks it down and explains to us that um because we're not the greatest team is that in order for us to have a chance to win and beat these teams we need to average 50 shots a game (laughs) what yeah. This is not true. Like, right. No so you said every shots are probably gonna win most games. Like, right. Except that he his idea was not just good quality fifty shots. It was fifty shots. <laughs> so we would cross center ice, and you know how like crazy fans will yell like shoot if you're like inside the blue line. Yeah. We would cross center ice, and he'd start screaming shoot. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Our coach of a midget AAA hockey team crossed the line. Shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> like, fuck. Like, but one game. Let's set it up. Yeah. So one game. And like, it had to be me. And, of, and it was like the worst thing because basically what happened was I'm pretty sure we were on the penalty kill and I crossed the blue line. He wasn't even yelling shoot. Like, I don't even know if he was paying attention, but he wasn't yelling shoot. But like, I crossed the blue line. I have like two guys converge on me. And instead of just like chipping it in the corner, I kind of just like, so, okay. So also to like give a little backstory on this, I used to stand in practice and our friend Ben OC, who comes on here a bunch, he's our goalie. And I would stand at the blue line during drills in practice and like not to pump my own tires, but to pump my own tires, I could saucer pass perfectly to oc's glove and he would catch it put it down and pass it back to me and i would just saucer it right to his glove over and over and we would do this repeatedly like while he's waiting for shooters to come in on the drills so basically like i kind of know i have this in my back pocket and i'm not like taking a shot it's literally just like a saucer pass right so i cross the blue line and just casually like float one in on net because i was like I, I need to change here like i need to get off the ice anyway so i'd just be dumping this in i might as well just put it towards the net i'm inside the blue line i sauce it in i don't think the goalie was like a expecting it and b i don't think he could really see because of how the two guys came towards me towards the, the boards 
mm-hmm. he misses it. It goes over his glove, goes in the net. <laughs> I, I, so I, I just sauce this one in, stop, and head turn to the bench, and the boys start celebrating. Like, the fuck? turn around, it's in the net, whatever. Come to the bench. Coach is losing his mind. He's like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we have to do. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, that's the biggest fluke I've ever yeah. scored in my the life. The game plan like, is wait until the, like, come on, coach. Yeah, so he would do that. And then the other thing which was hilarious was oh. basically to start most practices for the first half an hour of practice, we wouldn't be allowed to use our backhands. Like straight up. No backhand passes, no backhand stick hand, like no stick handling onto your backhand, no backhand shots, nothing. You just weren't allowed. Yeah, you just weren't. (laughs) So he would just say to us, though, like his logic of it was so backwards. He would be like, the backhand is a weak play and it's a weak move. So rather than improving the backhand, he just thought we should eliminate it from our games altogether. So he would like make us practice without using our backhand. And if you use your backhand, like the whole team would have to do push-ups and shit. That's horrible, man. Oh my god. No backhands. Like, like what if it's a shitty like what the hell are you supposed to oh my god? This is okay. And like my go-to like breakaway move was like fake forehand, like little like shot, and then like backhand, and I would go over the block or like up like as up high. And just like you couldn't do that, like you'd go in on a breakaway and you're like, no back end. <laughs> like, it's the dumbest thing ever. I'm like, fuck, man, you need to be able to use your back end. Can't even access half your toolkit there. Like, it's just, yeah, literally, literally. So I was done. But yeah, that was, I just remembered those things. Those are kind of some fond memories that I remembered this week and I started just dying over. Like, I literally thought they were some of the funniest things. Like, you know, that's what, that's what you, play the hockey for you know it's like the memories the experiences things like that i'll never forget so the, the yeah, i know that's half the thing is like finishing up finishing up like hockey and then looking back on it like all of um all the memories are just like priceless too yeah seriously but so much fun and uh yeah i kind of just wanted to share those stories with you because i know you've uh yeah, you've I've told had some, stories. I've had some funny coaches in my day but that yeah that, that's up there man like the shoot from everywhere like that's the game plan that's what <laughs> yeah. we need to do. Wait, wait until the goalie misses one like what yeah pretty much Loading. but in all honesty that year we did come really close together we uh we were really bad to start the year um and then we went on this calgary trip and we pl- it was literally we flew out on christmas day like i flew out christmas morning to go to this tournament um and we bonded like crazy and we came back from calgary and we went on a run we went on an absolute tear and to this day like it's still kind of rattled because the last game of the year we need to tie or win to make omha playoffs rather than go to the toilet bowls and we're playing barry who's one of the best teams we're down one with like a minute left or some shit, maybe a little bit more. And uh, Brownie feeds me back door. I score and net is still on. Net's been on this entire time. Ref says the net came off. Even the Barry like players were like, yo, the net was on. <laughs> Cause like they didn't care. Like it didn't affect them. And if we tie the game, like it even affects them less. You know what I mean? But last oh. game of the season, we need a tire win. And I tuck with like a minute left to tie the game and ref calls nets off. But that even led to some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in minor hockey. Like 
we had a guy on our team go up to the ref, like after the game, screaming at the ref, says some vulgar stuff, basically gets suspended for all of playoffs. We have a guy on our team's dad and his brother who were like very, very calm people come run down to the glass because everyone knew the net was still on coming run down to the glass screaming over the glass at the refs um then we have in the hallway we have a guy snapping his stick into like four pieces and this is obviously like kind of sad you know what i mean like we just didn't we just missed the playoffs (laughs) but i me brownie and oc are trying our absolute hardest to not laugh because of like the gong show going on you know it's like on one hand you're like upset and you like wish you made the playoffs and wish that the game didn't go that way and you're frustrated the ref made that call but on the other hand you're like this has led to such a complete circus of events how can i not sit here and just sit back and laugh we were like the last place team in the league and we just stormed for like the last three months to get to this position and we miss out by one point and like, it's, there is a circus. Guys are snapping sticks, screaming in the hallway. I'm like, holy fuck, please. Like, the refs are probably just like, start the cars, just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But this leads me to something I want to, uh, I want to like ask you what your thoughts are on, on it. Because after professional sporting events, coaches, sometimes GMs and players are required to go in front of the media and answer questions regarding their play, their performance, and what they did during the game. Do you think that professional referees should have to have post-game press conferences? I think that would be the most entertaining thing of all time. If you just have Wes McCauley, because he already does a great job in-game with his calls. Yeah. If you could just get him out there in front of the press and explaining his call and just, like, talking back to some stupid reporter who asked a stupid question. Yeah. I think that would be incredible entertainment. Yeah. And also, like, it, you like you said, like, coaches are required. Like, why didn't Marshawn Lynch run on that last play for the Seahawks or whatever that case may be? Like, why didn't... Right. I don't know. Why didn't you have this player take the last shot? Like, coaches are like, well, like, whatever. Say, they say their piece. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, having a ref come on to explain their decisions, especially a guy like Wes or just somebody with some personality, would be would be incredible entertainment. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine somebody coming on like a, a game blown call or like, yeah. like you know, the ref who, who called the dislodge net near OMHA. Like your OMHA championship hopes are on the line, and then this guy this <laughs> guy has to go in front of the press with his head hung low. He's like, you know what? Like you're they're right. I blew it. Like blew the call. It's all my fault. Blew the call. Yeah. Well, I think too, like it would hold, I think it would do a couple of things. I think one, it would make people and fans of the sport and of the game understand that referees are human and that they're going to make errors. They're going to make mistakes. Like it's going to happen. And they need to understand that the game moves just as fast for the players as it does for the referees. Yeah, like, for like the like the non-casual or the non-like intense fans, some of like the casual watcher viewers at home who don't really maybe tuning into a hockey game for the first time, like what the fuck was that? Like why did he? Do yeah, that? and like, then like, he... then like oh can, shit, it's you... actually a tough thing. Like I paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to make these calls. Like they're talented. Right. They're good at what they do. They are very good, and the fact that they make as many calls as they do is why we are able to pinpoint the occasional call that they miss. Is because like if they were missing everything, you would never have things to complain about. Whereas when they miss like one or two things, you're like, what? Oh, what was that? What was that? Why'd you do that? And it's like, well, like they made 80 of the 83 calls that could have been made, like 
made so far in their season and they missed three so far, like you got to kind of bring it back and have that perspective. And then the other thing is that it can hold them accountable. So like, you can't just make some Bush league call without having to answer for it. Like last night I was watching um, basketball and Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns gets two technicals back to back gets kicked out of the game they're up 10 on the lakers like this is in the third quarter it could have a big effect on the outcome of the game suns hold on they win the game it doesn't really matter but ultimately like the ref never explained why he made that call he never gave any reasoning for it and they never did any release whereas if he has to go up in front of the media after the game and say like this is why i gave him that 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 technical this is why this happened then there's some form of accountability of like okay i can't just kick a guy out for the sake of kicking a guy out and then they can take their own level of scrutiny yeah that's a good that's a good point because i think that like if let's say refs like have an emotional like reason to get they kind of i don't know it kind of sways their thing or like they some player rubs them the wrong way says something that they're kind of that much more likely to call them on the next thing that'll kind of deter them from being too like from being like selfish and getting their own emotions wrapped up in it. Cause if they have to go in front of a, a panel of, of media personnel and be yeah. like, why do you make that call? They're going to need a better reason than like, Oh, <laughs> he's pissing me off. You know right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it'll hold them accountable to actually like be consistent with their calls and um, make sure that, that they're not like just making calls to make calls or making calls because Devin Booker said he was a fuck face and play before. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which obviously like there's no, you can't have like official, like abusive officials, which is completely understandable. But like, if a guy looks at you and says, are you fucking kidding me? That's not grounds for a technical, like guys heated in the moment playing the sport and like something's going to yeah. happen. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think that it would bring a whole new element too. imagine like a referee getting up in there in the post-game presser. It would be funny almost. I think it would be so entertaining and they don't have as much to lose. Like, it's not like, I don't know. I feel like quality refs are, are like, it's not like in the NHL, we got people competing for your job all the time. Like, well, maybe there are refs competing and there probably are. Yeah, I'd say to a lesser extent than there are like players who want to be there. So I think that like a, an established referee could get away with saying quite a bit and yeah. like not have to fear for his job. Yes, exactly. And they can also so, provide a different level of insight into the game. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah, it's, it's a great kind, idea. It's kind of an interesting thing. I would think it would be pretty cool. Okay. We're kind of getting towards the end of the show. There's a couple of things. So I want to ask you a hypothetical question. And then I think we get into our this or that and we'll kind of wrap it up. So I saw this on TikTok, and the one I saw was like kind of bland. So I wanted to see if you and I could come up with our own, that would be better ideas than what I saw. So the question and this hypothetical is you're a burglar, but you only steal things that slightly inconvenience your victims. What do you steal? So on, on TikTok, I saw um, the person stole uh, the TV remote. They stole like just the TV remote, okay? Yeah. Which is like, yes, that's definitely inconvenient. Like imagine coming into your house, you're like, bro, where's the TV remote? But I feel like there's some better things you could do. So do you have any ideas of like some stuff that you could steal that would just inconvenience the person? Um. Off the top of my mind, I have two. Uh, their iPhone charger, or their okay. phone chargers in general, and then I have going into like the bottom little rack of their Keurig machines and just taking all their K cups. 
<laughs> okay. So I have something to add on to the charger. I thought about the charger and I think that's a good one, but I thought to take it to the next level, you just take the cube. <laughs> oh my God. They lose their mind. Yeah. Because I would never think at that point, like, oh, my chart, my whole charger is missing. I would be like, where did I misplace the cube? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which would drive me nuts. I would go insane over that. Um, but yeah, I like the K cups because like you're going to make a coffee in the morning. You're like, what? <laughs> what? Um, okay. Here's one. Uh, the garage door opener. Yeah. Cause I think like, if you're going to run outside, you're going to go get in your car. That's in the garage. You're going to press the garage door opener and your garage door opener is missing. And now you have to go outside to like put in the keypad to open it. That would be fairly inconvenient. It's like that freezing would, cold outside and you have to do that every time. I feel like there are so many good ones that like, I'm just missing. Um, I'm trying to think of like my everyday activities. Like what would I steal? What would I steal if I inconvenience somebody's day? Um, like here's another one. Uh, a pair of shoelaces. You take the shoelaces out of the shoes. Oh, that would suck. But like, if you, I don't know. Like, if, I, I guess, yeah. Shoelaces would be so annoying. Um, damn, the other thing could, you could do to make that worse is take just one of the shoelaces out <laughs> rather than both. So you take one of the yeah, shoelaces out and they look. That? You'd have to have this weird like zigzag looking ass thing. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I was thinking uh, like just taking like all their toothbrushes or just like just, just the toothpaste. See you later. Yeah. Toothpaste would be pretty frustrating. Like you go to brush your teeth at night. You're like, nothing i had a full tube this morning like but you could even frustrate them by like emptying the tube of toothpaste rather than just taking the tube and then okay here's one here's one you know the straw that goes in the tube of soap that you pump yes taking that out take the just the straw so they go to like pump it and they're like that's diabolical (laughs) because then just straws gone (laughs) yeah it's like full of soap but nothing you want to be a real asshole just take their router or just take one of the wires on the back of it. Oh, yeah, that would be tough, man. No Wi-Fi. Sorry, like I needed yeah. that. I needed that wire. Yeah, that would actually. That's actually a good one. Um, yeah, I can't. Like, I have another one. Is like the dog's leash. You had to take the dog for a walk, and like your le- the leash is gone. That would just be kind of like what the hell. Um, the barbecue lighter. I feel like the barbecue lighter is pretty important. It is an important thing. Like I feel like for candles in the home, and yeah. As well as for the barbecue, like it's you need like I don't know. The barbecue lighter is just so versatile. Yeah, because even if you have like a little Zippo lighter or something, like you can't you can't necessarily get like the candles the same or get into the barbecue. Yeah. Like the the barbecue lighter itself is actually holds a lot of importance. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very under one of the most underrated items in a household is the barbecue yeah, necessities. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, that's kind of like all I had on my list. That was like different. Those are, those but are just... good ones. Those are good ones. Definitely diabolical stuff. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. I would like lose it if somebody came in and just took one of my cubes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, just the cube. What the hell? I'd be like, oh, come on. Where's like, where and then, put if it? it happened to my dad, I know the first thing he'd do is just be like, all right. Which one of you boys took my cue? Because like, <laughs> yeah. no yeah. then they're blaming everyone else. It's like, yo, no. Yeah, yeah. Because looking uh, through our thing. No, I swear I don't have 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get into our last segment of the show here before we wrap things up. I love this one. One of our favorites from the very, very beginning. So uh, let's do this or that. I think four here so I think these ones are pretty good some of them I think might be kind of unit like easy to decide here but I think that they're pretty interesting ones to think about so have your job be you work at a restaurant and you have to clean the silverware with your mouth or you work at a golf course and you have to clean the golf balls with your mouth honestly probably an unpopular opinion I think I'd take the silverware really yeah i did not I expect golf- that yeah see i didn't expect it either then i just like really thought about it the golf ball one i think it would be tough to like get it you just like, shove the whole ball in your mouth which is just a challenge i don't know if i can open my mouth that big okay and then and then uh like it's just grass flavored and stuff at least if you could clean the silverware like yeah there's people's germs and whatnot on it but you'd probably be getting a tasty meal like the taste would be way better than like licking grass and dirt and sludge like you get some like I don't know, delicious, like, tartare, some shit. I don't know, man. No, okay, you'd, okay. You'd probably get some tasty mac and cheese, some, some no, like... No, 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 yeah, no, bro, I, no. I, I look it up the, the, the leftovers. Okay, listen. So, first of all, I don't... I didn't think you had to put life, the whole though. golf ball in your mouth, though. Like, you yeah, can, like, lick yeah, it. The thing is, it's a speed That's with thing. your mouth. It's an efficiency thing. I wouldn't want to lick every surface of the golf ball, like every little individual dimple in the golf ball. I just okay, but like you do like a pre-cleaning with your tongue, and then you do it like uh like those wings where you put it in your mouth and like that. You do that. You put the golf ball in, and then with the fork, the cutlery. No, the golf ball, the golf ball. Yeah, you like put it. I do the cutlery the same way. Yeah, Yeah, but but I'd much rather have like dirt in my in my mouth than someone else's saliva and like leftover food and stuff caked to silverware yeah but the knife would be the only thing that's like okay but the thing is if they leave if they leave then it's like i'm assuming it's fresh food or at least like semi-fresh it's not like it would be stale or like disgusting it'd probably still be delicious food but it, it it was in their mouth yeah the golf balls on the ground I feel like the ground is dirtier than than yeah, it's a golf course, and you may make the okay. argument that it's it's more sanitary. But I still feel like somebody else's mouth is cleaner than the the fairway of a golf course. You got birds shitting all over it. You got animals and various insects and critters. Like, I'm pretty sure that your mouth is like one of the most germ infested places. Like there, your phone case is apparently. Oh really? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know. Like, I would think the ground would just be like, I'd rather just off the ground. It's more. What's dirtier? What's dirtier? The ground or your mouth? Yeah. Uh, No, I still going with the, with the golf balls. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, every now and then I feel like you'd get like a smoker's meal. (laughs) (laughs) Just a dart tasting fork. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 10 things that are surprisingly cleaner than your mouth. 
Okay. Yeah, this let's hear it. Good start for me. <laughs> An elementary school student's hands are cleaner than your mouth. Toilet seats are cleaner than your mouth. This is also BuzzFeed, so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, okay. Uh, beards. Urine. Apparently by a thousand times is cleaner than your mouth. Water fountains. <laughs> Subway poles. Subway poles are cleaner than your mouth. Like, I don't buy it for a second. My mouth has never given anyone Zika virus. Like, <laughs> come on. Okay, what else? What else? Specifically, cockroaches are cleaner than your mouth. Okay, that's just weird. I like hot tubs. All right, well, if that's the go. case. Eh, all right, well... <laughs> That's interesting. Good to learn. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to go into the next one here? Yeah, I guess. Like that just left me shook. Like <laughs> subway station pole. Come on, or like a subway like a bar. <sighs> All right. The next one is: Would you rather have your head be twice its normal size or half its normal size? Twice the normal size. For sure. I'd say twice the normal size too. I look like Pee Wee Herman with a little, <laughs> like my head's already small as it is. Like I got a small like little face. So I think that um, if my head was double the size, it would just, I don't know. It would still look uncomfortable, but probably. More it, yeah, I think it would just be head. better. <laughs> he's got a big head. He's just got a bonk. Like he's just. He's got some a super- huge cranium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree on that one. It's just, I think it's easy. Uh, twice the size for sure. Okay, always wear snowshoes or always wear scuba flippers. This is a tough one. I feel like I can go either way on this one. Yeah. I'd say because uh, I'm in Canada, I just go with the snowshoes because I feel like I come into contact with snow more often than I would need to like swim. So I think they're just be more, applic- more applicable to me. Yeah. That's valid. That's valid. I don't know. Like I uh okay, here here I'll go with the scuba flippers. Um I think that in a lot of times in Canada, um where we need to go and where we're going to walk through isn't necessarily covered in snow. There's lots of snow, but like if I'm walking from a parking lot into a store or I'm just walking down the sidewalk or into my car or whatever, there's not necessarily snow always there. And even if there is, it's typically a thin layer because it's cleaned. So if I'm walking in those areas, that little amount of snow, to get all scientific on you here, is going to turn into water more and slush because people are like driving through it and it's getting the sun on it and it's just going to turn into pools and puddles and slush. So having the flippers is to your advantage because where you're normally walking is going to be more wet than it is snow, like snowy, which obviously snow is wet, but it's going to be more like water, like than it is snow, like. Yeah. But you're not going to need them to like. It's not like you're going to get down on your belly and start like using those flippers. So I think no. that I, I think that the scuba flippers are like flippers are a pain in the ass to walk in. Like you're on the pool deck, right. you're just flopping around, just trying to like whatever. I don't whatever think I've ever worn flippers. Dude, really? Flip, yeah, I, I don't think so. Flippers at my cottage, and they like they suck to walk in. You gotta okay. walk with all straight legs, like kind of waddling. Like you like walk like a penguin walks because they're so hard to pick up. 
occasionally like you'll drag your toes too low like you got to pick up your feet high and And it's like yeah snowshoes are are the way to go because they're more rigid you don't have to worry about like them getting caught on anything as as much as flippers do right uh i'd go snowshoes i'd go snowshoes. okay all right fair enough plus in flippers you wouldn't be wearing socks with them and generally speaking flippers have exposed the toes Okay, I guess I'm not like as educated on uh, flippers. scuba flippers. And then there's a little like it's like sandals almost where your toes are coming at the top. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, I see that. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty shitty in the snow, <laughs> exposed toes yeah. like that. Yeah. You could yeah. just wear the Hudson Lambert toe shoes though if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I remember those things. Oh my god, the toe shoes. Yeah. All right, you want to give us our last one here, McGee? Yeah, the last one is, would you rather drink like a dog or eat with no utensils? Uh, I think I'm going to go drink like a dog because... Wait, actually, you know what? No, I'm going no utensils because I think it would be easier to avoid having meals with utensils than it would be to have to hide the fact that you drink like a dog all the time. Because yeah. I was going to say, like, in a context of, like, a fancy restaurant or, like, a more upscale restaurant, you're going to go there and, like, eat with no utensils. Whereas you can probably find some type of uh, item on the menu that yeah, you can eat with your hands. Right. And then, whereas, like, if you go to that restaurant and you're just going to drink like a dog, like, that's a bad look. Whereas you can yeah. kind of hide the the fact that you have to eat with no utensils more so and find more like alternatives. Like In at home, way. I could crush a steak dinner and like mashed potatoes and with no utensils because no one's around to watch me and I will feel no ways. Yeah. Whereas like if I'm in a restaurant and I have to drink like a dog, like that is just embarrassing. Here's red wine just splattering all over your white dress shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your friends across the table just like staring at you like an alien. Like, <laughs> like I was thinking that what you could do is like tilt the glass and then like drink like a dog still, but I still think like that's loud, messy, and just annoying. Uncouth, uncouth. See, I think that um, yeah, I'd go do no utensils either. And plus, like, even if you did have a meal that required utensils, there's a way to like play it off. Like you just be like, yeah, like I'm not too hungry. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I honestly, I made a mistake. I ate before I came and just like, ha- just a little, just, just pick at it. Snacks. Little, little, little nibbles. And I'm sure that this is nothing. It's just like you're snacking. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree. And you could probably save money too. Like if you go to a fancy restaurant and you're like, mm, like there's no handhelds on the main menu item here, I could just grab two appetizers, say I'm not that hungry and then just eat those with my hands. And then you're a-okay yeah. you're like saving you spent 30 bucks on two appetizers as opposed to like 50 bucks on on a meal yeah so there you go yeah i, I yeah i back that that's uh it's a good assessment yeah yeah all right i think that pretty much does it episode 69 mcgee kind of went went into a whole lot of different stuff in this one yeah, started man. it off talking about schooling you getting into spain we head into our episode uh 69 player comparison talk about some anniversaries miracle on ice uh slap shot pete weber pete weber the greatest sports audio clip of all time uh and then just some minor hockey memories and I think we've figured out how to hold referees and professional sports accountable 
that's decided done yeah, deal yeah. they got to go up on the podium after games easy money problem solved and yeah and our this or that's hypothetical too if you have any ideas of what you would steal to inconvenience people's lives reach out to us and let us know like at lads and lawn chairs on instagram at lads and lawn chairs on twitter uh go to our youtube um lads and lawn chairs and then we're also on spotify apple podcast soundcloud if you want to just listen, rate, review, whatever you want to do on there. So check us out on all those different platforms, but pretty much does it for episode 69, McGee. Yeah. Thank you, Lodge and Lodettes, for tuning in to episode 69. You know where to find us. Catch us same time next week. Same launch here. Oh my fucking God. It's been too long. One week and I'm already, um, one week, Phil. <laughs> oh my You're losing God. It, losing the touch. Yeah. Catch us next week. Same time, same place same lawn chairs there we go cheers lads and ladettes cheers